sectors of retail, it's actually kicking ass and taking names. Uh, I'm a little bit of a retail junkie. I don't get into it so much anymore as I did back when I was working in real estate and I was filling retail centers all across the country. Uh, but I still like to keep an eye on it. I find all the interesting tools and marketing plays and things that exist out there that did not exist when I was in that business. Uh, fascinating to see where the development has gone and sort of where things are going. Uh, so there's no better place to start it, I think, than Progress Retail. The CEO, Ray Riley, is joining me right now to talk a little bit about the company, uh, what they're setting out to accomplish, uh, and what drew you to uh, the retail space. So, Ray, for uh, for starters, welcome to come to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Progress Retail, and then I want to learn a little more about, like, what about this area of the market attracted you? Mm. And then we'll talk a little bit about like your background and, and how you got into this. Sure, yeah. I think the best way to start the story is really how the business began. And that was actually in 1989 in Australia. Uh, my business partner, a very talented woman named Terry Hawkins, founded this business and it was purely an in-person live training organization. And it really quickly developed quite a reputation for this high impact transformative um, courses that many, many retailers throughout that region, big brands like Billabong, Mecca Cosmetica, um, Crabtree and Evelyn, big retailers uh, went through these courses and there's quite an alumni network even down there of, uh, of that. And so really, you know, we, Terry and I met roughly um, almost two years ago now and we sort of got to work to figuring out how we can adapt all of this content. And with that, uh, a wonderful partner of ours, Cash Movania, he's our uh, chief product officer, and we all sort of, in our individual lanes, went to work sort of adapting this business um, to have a, uh, a, a blended model of live in-person training with a software-as-a-service model via our education platform. So how does it all come together? Because like the, the education component I can definitely see, obviously, um, and of course it actually lends itself into um, a nice little soft sales pitch that you can get these guys trained up and then say, here's a tool that you can use to actually, you know, continue this once you go back to your, to your, whatever your company or whatever it yeah. is. Uh, what was like, where did you see there being a gap that you could fill there? Hmm. I think the biggest gap is the fact that there's very little retail education and content that has any depth out there. So retailers shop around for a learning management system and they'll spend quite a bit of money to get one, and it's generally barren. Yeah. They have to develop all the content themselves, and that's just generally not within the traditional uh, time availability that you know an HR manager or a head of retail is gonna have in their schedules. Um, so really, we're a loaded uh, learning management system for retail with retail-tailored content, um, and we also have these um, platform tools in areas like retail sales management, some behavioral coaching tools that really layer and enhance that core of learning that differentiates us. Walk me through a little bit about like as, as a client mm -hmm. or as a customer, what this looks like. So show me, kind of give me an example of, as a retail customer, like what, what would I expect working with you guys? Sure. So uh, let's say we're talking to, you know, a, a surf retailer and they've got 40 stores. Um, that means they're going to have probably about 80 store managers. So we, the nice thing about us is we really are able to create effective learning at scale because we have an in-person component that's the effective part, and the scalable part is obviously our platform. Yeah. So we can get those 80 store managers um, in a live onboarding program, and that's really what kicks it off, and that's really what uh, builds that foundation. And in that, they're going to learn some things that aren't traditionally taught in sales environments. Um, empathy education, which our business and our founder, Terry, has pioneered for over 30 years. Communication skills. 
And then they're gonna get all these sales tools and, and, and our sales process. Um, so that's gonna be covered in the three days, as well as how does continuing education look like? And what does lifelong learning in a retail environment look like? How as a manager do I convey this to my team? So that's all part of this onboarding program. And then they roll back to their stores. We've already liaised with them to potentially develop content for their own brand, as well as onboard all of their users. So everyone in the business, from a part-time sales professional all the way up to the head of stores, yeah. head of retail, um, they then go online and start, um, start their uh, online learning journey through our core product, which is called Care Customers Are Really Everything, which is our frontline retail selling system. Very cool. How long has that been up and running? So we launched our MVP in July of last year. Okay. Um, we immediately onboarded several retailers uh, for that, which we were um, fortunate to do. And they're all coming up for renewal. And since then, we've uh, onboarded a few more retailers with now that we're launching our full education platform. So what we launched last year was really just the learning management system. Yeah. And now we've got the full education platform ready to go. What was some of the feedback you got on that? Like some of the stuff that you thought was particularly helpful and in particular, maybe stuff that you didn't, you weren't expecting? Mm. So I think we, we definitely learned a lot around um, assessments and quizzes and, and sort of how those could be made better. And we got some great um, customer feedback that we're, we've rolled into our new, um, our, our new release. I think also seeing some of the um, legacy systems that sit in retail, so a lot of them will have a document system. They'll have an intranet. So we already sort of had that vision by, by sort of integrating some of that functionality into our education platform. So that's what we're really excited to sort of see yeah. uh, roll out. But in terms of results, um, a, number of our re a number of our retail partners have shared with us double-digit comparative sales growth, which is, in this climate, yeah, tough. Crazy, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Tough to do. So I want to ask you, like more on a personal note, like what draws you to a to a line like this? What do you bring to the to the table on something like this? What where does the 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 attraction for you into retail? Because I think for a lot of people, it's a place that they're like, oh, it's changing too quickly, and they're afraid of it. Which I mean, I understand why. I mean, coming from not retail, but from real estate side of retail, understand it. But I also think that when things are changing like that, there's a, always a massive opportunity somewhere, but you just have to find it. Mm. So what was it about your background that kind of drew you to this? What is your background? Yeah, I mean, my, my entire background has been in retail, if, whether it's sales, management, operations. Um, I started my first company at 18, and it was in the wholesale business for cell phones, parts, and accessories, and that yep. was out of a retail experience. Yep. Um, and then opened up my own stores, um, ran a division for a global jewelry chain, but. When I met Terry and I saw the foundation of this business, which has always been around empathy, education, and communication skills, some people call those soft skills. We yeah. refer to them as core skills. Um, I first and foremost saw that is a major opportunity, not just for retail, but really, you know, in in the world we live in now. Um, and secondly, yes, with the inflection point that retail's gone in, and particularly over the last decade, where the focus has been largely on e-commerce and omni-channel. The stores where you're deriving generally about 75% on average of revenue have been really left uh, high and dry. And you've got sales professionals um, you know, working, if it's 15 hours a week, who aren't given the skills, aren't given the tools or the resources to really make the most amount of money they can and um, provide customers with the absolute best um, experience and visit possible. So that was that was secondary. I think another another option here is that there's been so much technology thrown into retail um, at a whim, and that deserves proper training as well. So our education platform, we're working with a lot of not only integration partners, but um, different vendors to retail, if it's point of sale companies, and getting some of their educational content in our platform to really help uh, 
those on the front line understand more and, and, and be more uh, empowered and productive? Um, I think, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's very interesting. The one part that uh, has always struck me, sorry, people listening, I've got a little bit of a cold that I'm just dealing with hopefully at the back end of now, but uh, maybe like three podcasts worth. I got a cold that's <laughs> three podcasts worth. Uh, but anyway, one of the opportunities that I think a lot of retail shops have missed out on, and I don't want to like throw everyone into this lump of like Toys R Us, but like mm. Toys R Us is a great example of determining sometimes what the spend of the office space or the retail hard local space is, the spend compared to the value. So it's like, we have this location. Now we are going to lose to Amazon in several of these categories. Like that's just harsh reality. Mm. But if we want to get our brand to get better exposure, maybe we use this space as nothing more than a billboard. Mm. And yeah, we're paying, you know, look at how much money we spend on it in relation to advertising. Maybe this is an experiential space. Maybe right. there's something else we can create as a part of our like, content, as you say, that we can create that brings people to our location to try something new and different. That yes, you can buy our products, but in all reality, most of the retail, and this is not, again, not ubiquitous. This is sort of, I want to say, 60-ish percent of retail spaces, I think, could benefit from taking a position of, you know, limiting the SKUs that we have, like, in the store is already a problem. So maybe we have the majority of our SKUs online, or we can ship it to you, you can pick it out here, but you come to the store to meet us and to greet us and to get us to, to tailor stuff for you and, you get you know, grow your experience. And that's one of the things I think has really been missing. And I think what you guys do is is interesting in this particular area because, one, educationally, teaching mm. people like how to stay on tippy toes on new and upcoming things that they can do. But two, you're in a great position to show them like, hey, you can you can create experiences that get you more information about your customers so that you can re-engage them in a way that's more meaningful. Absolutely. So, I mean, from your standpoint, like how do you see uh, where things are going shifting, you know, in the retail space? Like where do you see the shift going? Because I think from your standpoint, like there was this, there was a gap where everyone was like get kicked in the junk and now they're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> right. hey, we're still here. Yeah, it was very reactionary. Yeah, yeah and so like, absolutely. and then it was like, we gotta teach them and then it's like, well, what do we do next? And mm. you were in a good position to do that before. Now you've got this SaaS platform essentially that you can start engaging them. So how do you lead them into the next next absolutely. generation? So one of my favorite stats is that between 1970 and 2015, shopping centers grew at twice the rate of the US population. Yeah. So just like you mentioned, massive oversupply issue. Um, very oversized retail footprints for a lot of these guys. And so how do you make the best use of that space? Um, and one of the phrases I really enjoy is about, you know, zigging as Amazon zags. Yeah. And, you know, you can't compete with Amazon on price. Um, and, and if that's going to be your differentiator, you're going to you're going to have a very hard go of it. Yeah. And so and it doesn't take any skill to discount either. So really, just what you said, it's about creating these memorable and interactive brand experiences um, in stores, regardless of their footprint. And really, it's about the retailer crafting that brand induction and, and how they want customers to be serviced. And that's something we help with as well. So I think a major opportunity um, as, as retail evolves, particularly physical retail, is retailers need to get really straight and solid around their story and, and their brand. Yeah. Um, you know, the days of, and I think fashion and apparel has seen it the worst because yeah. there's just been so much, you know, um, supply. And really, you know, consumers now, like, they, it's it's just not about price anymore. Uh, it's it's much more about, uh, you know, we're, there, there's concepts being talked about like sustainable fashion now, yeah. and, and all of these things matter now. So, 
I, I think that the responsibility is definitely with the retailer to tell that story, communicate that to their team, so that in turn, you know, consumers will find out and and they'll ultimately decide. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's just interesting because you go into like stores and I feel like at this point when I go into stores, the majority of my, it's the same stuff. Mm. Every place is the same stuff. And it's like, okay, if that's the case, then the only reason I went to you versus the other one might have been price, but probably it was actually convenience. And so it's like, all right, so there's convenience. Like if you can just add more value along the side of it, then you're going to win, my business at least. The challenge, of course, is that like then everyone steps up their game and then it's the same thing again. Then you got to find another right. thing. Right. You know, but like it just is it's one of those things where I, I have found that retail, if you're smart and you pay attention to what people do, like you talk about the empathy, your core values, if you understand what people want from you and you mm. deliver that to them, you can sell them anything. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you'd be surprised people coming in for a shirt. There's a much larger story for that shirt. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and you don't know until you sort of develop that relationship with them. And, and that happens in really micro moments on a sales floor. I mean, you know, if it's it doesn't matter if it's Zara or if it's a boutique shop um, where, you know, they're only seeing 25 people a day. Um, you know, that's that's what I that's what's always attracted me to retail. Yeah. You know, was really the concept that um the way a customer left that store, uh, regardless of purchase value, and, and that's obviously important as well, but that was ultimately up to the most skilled sales professional. Whereas, you know, as we know in B two B, you know, it's there's the prospecting and, yeah. and and the lead generation, and you know, uh, it's a much longer sales cycle. In retail, I mean, you've got customers walking into you for a reason, and particularly now because they can shop online. So if they're coming into your store, there's definitely a, an opportunity that just has to be capitalized on. It's always blown my mind how little retail shops did with the world around them. Mm. There's so many opportunities. Like you said, you got people walking in the store. There's so many different ways that you can come up with grabbing the attention of the customer outside of the place. Like the mattress places. It's always funny to me that right. the only places that have people standing outside is yeah. mattress places. Yeah. Because they got to sell like three three mattresses a day and then they, they're good to go, which is crazy. Last time I went mattress shopping, I think I bought... It's not something I do. On no, Saturday. yeah, you don't. Fun. You don't like. Yeah. Mm, this is kind of. Although I actually did buy a mattress when I had one. I don't know why. Okay. It's like one of those like everyone was talking up Tempur Pedic. I was like, well, geez, I really ought to. So I did shop, but like otherwise, that that doesn't happen. Right. Interesting stuff. What do, What would you say the number one piece of advice for any group right now that maybe is not using uh, Progress Retail that should like? What is one piece of advice for any retailer, particularly someone who's, well, I was gonna say someone who's new to retail, but actually. It might be better for someone who's been in retail a long time and is mm. feeling lost. Like, what mm. would be the one thing you said is like most important to understand? I think the main thing is always the main thing. And if you're not satisfied with the level uh, of development of your people, that's the main thing, and that's something you need to look at. And uh, we're, a, we're a great option. Yeah, I would agree. Where do people go to learn more about Progress Retail? ProgressRetail.com, uh, Progress for Retail on Twitter, uh, Progress Retail on Facebook. Very cool. Ray, thank you so much for taking time. Thanks so much, Scott. Of course, you can catch this episode of more at technori.com, download the podcast on iTunes, and stay connected. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Technori, or you can follow me at Katoon. Boom, that's a wrap. Awesome.